Hello, I am Stella Skye and I'm here with Nikki Huntsman and she is a OnlyFans creator. You do Sex Panther, you've done mainstream, you've done quite a bit of things. So I'm excited to kind of dive in. So for anybody who hasn't heard of you before, what's the rundown on Nikki Huntsman and how can we find you online? Hi. So I've been in the industry for 12 years. In February, it'll be 12. I've been doing for mainstream companies ever since February 2012. And then eventually, I created OnlyFans, ManyVids, Sex Panther, all of that. But I started out shooting on the bang bus. Wow, nice. That's, that's quite the intro into the industry. Yeah, it is. That's how I got my start. So you started off in mainstream and then came into the content creator world. How, let's start with that because I'm a little curious and I'm sure other people are for how do you get into mainstream and what was your journey? So I was 19 and I was going through a divorce at the time and a custody battle and other things. And when I was going through all that, I was doing mainstream modeling and acting gigs, and I was doing it through Model Mayhem. And I had talent scouts approaching me from different porn companies trying to get me to shoot porn. And at first I was like, no, I don't want to risk my chances at mainstream and other things. But I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I could probably do a couple of videos. Nobody will ever find out. After my third one, everybody found out that I'd gone to school with, my family, my friends, everybody found out right away. And I quit for a little bit, but people kept me crap and wouldn't let me move on with my life after the three videos I did. So I thought, you know what? I had fun. It's good money. And I liked it. So I might as well continue to do it since nobody's going to let me move on with my life. Yeah. How, yeah. Do you think it was because you started with such a notorious production that it became so um, well all of the productions I did were pretty big at the time and I didn't realize that the thing is I was 19 I was very naive I was like well there's like thousands and millions of porn videos on the internet and I'm just a cute little girl next door who's gonna recognize me who will know it's gonna get lost in the archive of all this stuff out there and I also didn't really know a lot about those companies. I didn't realize how big they actually were because I didn't watch a lot of porn. So I didn't know. I only knew big names like Playboy, Hustler, certain ones. And I didn't even know Bang Bus was that big of a deal at the time. I was pretty naive and uneducated on the topics. So I did that, got in, ended up liking it and ended up sticking with it. And here I am 12 years later. Wow. That's such a, that's such a long time in the industry, you know, like there's, there's such a high degree of fallout, I think from, you know, maybe the first couple of years and they don't see returns on success or maybe something happens like what happened to you and people find out. Oh, that part can be really hard on you. And people either decide to fully pull out at that point or they decide to go hard. And with me, I said, fuck it. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. And that's something, you know, I, I've talked on before is like, before you get into this, if you are kind of making this conscious decision to get into this industry, like, be at peace. If you cannot be at peace with the fact that people will find out, yeah, don't do it. Exactly. Like, if you're not comfortable with everyone in your life knowing, 
it's not for you because it's not 100% secure. And that was something else I wanted to talk with you about because I know you had an experience with going through getting verified on Meta on Instagram. That was such a bad experience. Yeah. Uh, I just said, it's okay. I'm going to roll with it. So when you get Meta verified, they make you submit your personal information to get verified, your ID, all that. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't mind doing this because I thought they would keep all of my personal information personal like they would with payment documentation and other things. Uh, They don't. They put your legal name on your profile. They lock it there. And even if you try to get unverified and cancel your verified account, it's locked there for 30 days. So I was like, okay, at that point, I might as well just roll with it and leave it and stay verified because I like the added features that I get if I'm verified. Um, So yeah, and my name's already locked there for 30 days. So Meta Verified already doxed me. Right. Yeah. You got the government name up there. Mm -hmm. And then what are the features that you found helpful? Well, Meta Verified has a whole creator section where they give you tips and tricks and you have more access to other analytics. You have features where you can actually like directly contact support about taking down fake accounts and catfish things. And they're pretty good at responding. Sometimes they can get things taken down fast. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes it takes a while for things to get taken down. It's still a pain in the butt to get fake accounts taken down, but it's easier having the verified than it is when you're not verified. Yeah, good customer service and support. So don't do it with your government name, Mm -hmm. as we've learned, but there are avenues that... I'm aware of and have been it looking into researching. Like, yeah. I tried to submit my LLC stuff. It didn't right. do for that. So I tried that first. It didn't do it. So what, what I've heard is like, it's more than like just having a business or even just having a name, but like needing um, like I a New York it. post. Yeah. Right. Like something that's like more mainstream that shows that it was your, it's your, like a uh, stage stage name or that that's yeah. what you're going by. I've also been on tipsy bartender who has 8 million subscribers and followers on YouTube. And I used to be one of the original tipsy girls on the show. And I submitted that and that still didn't work as name verification. stream. So I don't know. There's a lot of discrimination in the metaverse and among social medias with sex workers. We have a lot of features that are hard to get unless you know somebody or have the correct money and budget. I mean, if I had the budget and if I had the right connections, I'm sure I could easily get things. Yeah, because I see it, right? Like you see it, you know, there are people that are like, yeah. that's a 100% not your name, but you're it's verified, you know, I see it. Yeah. Money and connections. Yeah. Uh, so question for you about uh, the meta experience. Like if you were going to do it over again, would you? I probably, I think I would just because I do like having everything verified and it hasn't affected me negatively having things linked up yet. And I'm hoping it never does. Yeah. I, Yeah, I don't know. And I do a little bit of mainstream stuff and other things too. So honestly, having my real name tied to stuff, it's whatever at this point. I'm like, "Eh, I might as well just go with it. Yeah, that and it's brought you it's brought you more uh, like um, a a bigger return on on investment 
for for you. Yeah, for a that's been worth it. Mm-hmm. So I like it. Plus, I can tell people, hey, I have that verified blue check mark. If it's not verified, it's not me. So if you exactly. get because you got scammed from a fake account, that's on you. Because <laughs> there's a lot of fake accounts out there. Yeah. Yeah. I see it. They're very sneaky with it. They'll like sneak an extra letter in there or something like that. You know, it looks almost identical. They'll even try Um, to copy your bio and sometimes they'll even put your actual links to your stuff, which is weird. But it's also like, okay, so in a way you're kind of getting me traffic to my OnlyFans, but you're also posing as me. Right. Exactly. Who knows what's going down in those DMs, right? And then so probably uh, for for Twitter, a little bit more worth it for the average creator, because that is not associated with your real government name and won't. Yeah, I like that factor. The fact that they let me do the Twitter verified without affecting my name. So I prefer that. I wish that it would be like that on all the platforms because they shouldn't be leaking people's legal information. It is kind of interesting that that is the route that they chose. I wonder why that is, if that's specific to sex workers or some other legal reason I'm not aware of. I'm not sure why they chose to do it that way, but I think it's so shady. Yeah. I, and well, and doxing is a big deal. I recently did um, a doxing report uh, to see, to have somebody take a look and see what kind of information they could get. And it was uh, pretty much everything, um, including my home address. So that is something that Minx is looking into and we will be sharing um, when we've done a little bit more research and, and work with this company a little bit more. But um, it's not hard to find that stuff. So again, going back to like the, oh, I have you know, cameras all over my house. I have an alarm system and I have two pit bulls. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. I also am very good at hand to hand combat. I've done mixed martial arts. Um, if somebody wants to mess with me, it's not going to be smart for them. Self-defense class, you know, not saying you have to, uh, now pick up weaponry, but you know, people I know here in this state, uh, you can be strapped, and a lot of the girls are here in Nevada. Well, we have concealed carries like legal in Colorado, and not only that, but there's a thing called Make My Day Law, where if somebody like trespasses on your property or is a threat to you, you can shoot them. Wow! Just gonna say that. I better look at yeah. I better look into the Nevada law. Yeah. If you're on my property and you're not supposed to be, I legally have the right to shoot you if I feel threatened. Word of warning. Yeah. (laughs) Powerful word of warning. So, Nikki, we met at uh, Exotica. And you have done expos in the past. I would love to hear some of your insights for other creators on how to go to expos, why expos are good to go to. Uh, Obviously, they connect people. Networking is a great plus of that. But I'm sure there's other things. You invest in a booth. Tell me, how long have you been doing expos? What that process is like? And why do you like it? So I've been doing expos since 2015. And personally, as a performer, I've never bought my own booth. I always work for companies. Because booth expenses are really, really pricey. They range anywhere between like 1500 to 10, 20 grand, depending upon the booth space and location that you get. And then you still have to pay for your banners, your merch, 
your entire setup. And it's not cost effective for me, but I still love to go. So I'll sign with my agency or I'll sign with merchandise companies that want to work with me. I've worked with like 1AM Doll USA back in the day. And I used to help sell their sex toys, their dolls, and the stroker that I had through them because I had a stroker deal for a while. Um, but when you work for companies or when you go with your agency's booth, then you don't have to pay for booth space. And they also cover your badge so you can get in and out of the convention and all of the networking events and you don't have to pay for it. And the badge alone is a couple hundred dollars, even if you're working the convention and then the booth, couple grand. And then you have to worry about your lodging. And if you're working for a company, sometimes they'll be nice and cover your hotel room. Not always. A lot of the times you still have to cover your hotel hotel room, but I really don't mind. If they cover my badge and the booth space, I'll get my hotel room, I'll get my flight. And then of course you're responsible for your own merch, unless it's a deal through their company where you created a product that they did like a collaboration on. If you have flashlights, strokers or t-shirts or whatever that you work with through a company, you know, then you don't have to bring the merch or pay for it. But you get a portion of sales. There's just different ways to go about it. What's the typical, like, so if I'm, if I'm with a company, well, first of all, how do I, how do I find these companies? How would you, would you reach out to them? Would they reach out to you? What is that process like? So with me, a lot of the process is like, if I go to AVN with my agency, one-on-one modeling, um, I make sure I network nonstop and I try to introduce myself to all the different booths and make friends with everybody. And then usually when you're friends with everybody at the different booths and you're partying and networking, people will offer you other opportunities like, hey, Exotica's coming up and would you like to come and work our booth next time? And then you exchange information and that's been the best way for me to do it. Word of mouth and in person, just networking. I've never reached out online, but I know that there's ways to do that too. If you reach out to like Bad Dragon or other things, or if you're a cam model, also you can go and do it under like my free cams or Chatterbait. Right. As I understand it, you'd need a certain amount of followers, I believe, with Chatterbait. I'm not about the following requirement, but I know that you have to be very active and yeah. in a certain amount of hours. They treat it kind of like a full-time job in that sense. Like you have to work X amount of hours before the convention in order to qualify for your lodge and your space at their booth. And the other thing I was going to ask is what is the time commitment like? So if you're working for a booth... Are you expected to be at the booth all three days from open to close? What's it's always that like? a different deal with different companies. It's something you have to discuss and you have to stick to it. Like if you agree to something, don't be a no call, no show. Don't be unprofessional because you're not going to want to work with you again. And not only that, but our industry is very small and word travels very fast around. If you're unreliable, if you're flaky, if you screw people over, uh, it's going to get back to everyone else. Yeah. I see. I see drama on Twitter about individuals, about companies. Yeah. Uh, Most companies are pretty flexible with signing times and stuff. Or if you're not feeling well or something, they'll be understanding and be like, it's okay if you're a little bit late or it's okay if you leave a little bit early, but you have to communicate things, be professional. Yeah, Absolutely. And then, so how do you maximize your time at an expo when you're there to get the most out of it? 
Well, personally, I try to be there from start to finish all three days on the floor. And then on top of that, I try to go to all the networking things. I try to get content trades in. Um, I run on very little sleep during conventions and I end up being sick afterwards because I go on like two, three hours a night of sleep for however long the convention is. Yeah, because it goes, I mean, some nights it's going until 10 p.m. And then there's yeah. after parties and you've been there already for like nine hours. Yeah, and you're doing content trades and you yeah. also have to like fit in like eating and getting right. ready. And it takes a couple of hours to do your hair and makeup. And <laughs> it's just a lot. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was the first time I went with like a booth having a booth and the time commitment. I mean, I was exhausted. I was like, if I was having a booth, I don't know how I would do shooting any content while I'm here. Cause it's basically like, wake up, get ready, go be there all day. Talk I was so all dead day. At the end of it. Yeah. I was like dying. I was so, yes. so exhausted. Uh, probably my number one favorite tip that I got uh, was, and that I will pass along. It was bring cough drops. Because you are talking so much and these expos are so loud. It helps keep your mouth moist. Cough drops are also Jolly Ranchers help, um, Starburst. And they also give you a little boost of energy with the sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Really important because it is easy to forget to eat and drink because you're just yapping. You're seeing people all over the place. Highly Um, recommend bringing water bottles in and keeping them at your booth with you. And not only that, but another tip and trick that I learned a long time ago, um, you know how you can get those emergency things that you put in your water? It's good to get those and drink them every single day that you're at the convention because it boosts your immune system. So even if you're not sick, it can help prevent you from getting sick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was doing a packet of vitamin C every day. I had a greens mix. I had a chaga mushroom mix. And then I was also taking like, loved it. And every day I felt I actually felt healthier when I left because I was so adamant about boosting all my vitamins and making sure I was doing all of that because I was so scared of getting sick because it's like colder Oh, if you don't do that, you can end up so sick afterwards. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's people everywhere. Everybody's touching everything. People are taking pictures with you. Also good to have a little thing of hand sanitizer at your booth because you're going to be shaking hands and giving people hugs and signing merch for people. And there's so much germs that come. And I highly recommend hand sanitizer at the booth. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so at your booth, you had something that caught my eye was you have a bunch of Nikki Huntsman merch. So tell me about merch. You make your own merch. You are very creative. So oh, I get if- more creative than most people in the industry because a lot of people are like, oh, here's prints and DVDs. And I do that too. But I'm the type of person I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go and do weird shit that nobody else is doing. Um, I've had guitar picks with pictures of me before on them. I'm actually going to grab a couple of my little merch things. One second. So this one is the last one of this. By the way, I mentioned the Strokers. Oh, wow. I kept one when everything was all said and done. I kept one just as memorabilia. It's a, it's a uh, collector's item now. 
It is, and I'm actually thinking I might give this to somebody for Christmas, so. I probably won't be holding on to that for too much longer. Tumblr bong. Yeah, so it's a stainless steel tumbler, and with these, my friend and I, we actually printed them off, and we hand did, like, the images onto the blank tumbler with a sublination machine, which is, like, a heat machine that cooks it on. But I printed off this picture of me back when I was blonde, smoking a vape in the dark with lingerie and stuff, and inside of it, I have a couple of my guitar picks. Wow. So how do you usually, for people who like want to make their own merch, I mean, obviously you're kind of in the more very advanced, look at that. Oh my gosh, game over. Yeah, it has it censored and it's me. So if somebody wanted to like start making merch and they're just getting into it, maybe they don't have, they're not going to, you know, do their own printing press. How would you recommend somebody go about starting merch? Well, I also create things through this site called Printify, where you can sit there and you can do graphic designs on different products on the computer. And when you're doing those different graphic graphic designs on the computer, you can see exactly how it's going to look when printed. You can resize the images. You can do all of that. And you can create so many different things, like thousands of different types of merch. And you can post it to your Etsy store. You can order samples of it or order it in bulk to your house after you got the sample, if you like the quality and if you like the product. And then you can sell it at conventions. And you can sell it online in your store. Yes. And you can sell it online. And I love that print to order stuff because you don't have to have, you know, 300 sweatshirts in your house or whatever one of the kind products like people were going wild over my shoes that I was wearing during Exotica when we met because I designed and printed these labyrinth shoes and there's only one pair that was ever printed that I designed and made I can grab those real quick and show you too those are not my merch it's just fan merch because labyrinth is one of my favorite movies and I had it made into okay cool not sure where I put my fanny pack crossbody bag, but I have my backpack right here with my eyes on it. Oh, yeah. I just Is this a printful? Yeah, Printify. Printful. Printify, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah printful is another one. But yeah, I made this custom laptop bag first thing, and then I made these. And in your experience working with uh, the print order is, are there restrictions on like explicit content? Have you run into any issues with that? I haven't had any issues, but here's the thing. When you're printing on these things, like Printify and stuff, um, each thing is from different companies that print these items and different people have different policies. So they can reject an order if they don't want to print it. But if they reject it, and if you have enough time and you realize they rejected it, all you have to do is go to a different store and try again until somebody does it. Okay. So there are options there. And it didn't get you, like, kicked off the site yeah. or something like that. Okay. That's that's good to know because I know there are options out there specifically for, like, fan site girls. Uh, I've seen one fan, fan gear. Um but also if the other ones aren't really blocking, you know, 
sex workers and they're uh, they're viable and if, if they have products like I, i've been wanting to make a mug uh that's kind of my my project that i want to do oh i have it's- mugs that i've made before through printify and i've made them to where it's like sexy nude type stuff and it printed okay but like i said you just have to go through the different stores because some printers will do it some won't and it's cool because you can also see like is this item printed in the usa is it printed in china and you can decide hey i want to do a through the usa order or i want to do a china order you know and you can see the different price comparisons and there's usually star reviews on the store and you can see if they have good quality or not before you even buy through them yeah, so check out the reviews. Make sure other people are using them. You can see the quality. I like doing it that way because I don't want to order a huge bulk order of merch and then find yeah. out it's terrible or have right. it damaged. Right. So, yeah, because yeah. that's I think that's ev- you know a fear that everyone shares is like if I do this and it's not good quality, and that speaks to your own brand too. Like that's. That's damaging. I mean, it's more damaging. People don't really think like, oh, yeah, Printful sucks. They're like, Nikki's merch came in weird. So to be able to make sure you do your due diligence and read the reviews, check the product and make sure that you're comfortable with your name on it. Yeah, don't just buy from a random printing company. Be very careful because you don't want it to come and like be absolutely terrible quality or never get the product. Like use sites that are verified, use sites that have reviews, do your research before you make any purchases so you don't get screwed over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's it's your name out there. And then it's also your money investing in it. Yes. If you're paying for it, you don't want to screw yourself over. Right. Yeah. Your your business, you want to make sure you're making good, good uh, buys for your business, right? Good, good returns. So when it comes to doing like a brand partnership, brand ambassadorship, I wanted to talk a little bit about that too, because that's another way I really want uh, creators to be thinking about is you can make money more than just with your content directly. You can also make money through brand ambassadorships. You have reach, you have influence, uh, and there are brands that are not afraid to work with sex workers. Uh, yeah, so- I actually have this because Technisport decided to do a collaboration with me. So that was cool. They haven't paid me anything, but they gave me some really expensive, nice gaming chairs in order to cross promote. Sometimes your brand collaborations, you get the product and not the payment. And sometimes you get both. And sometimes you get like percentage, percentages through affiliate links. There's so many different ways to do it. How do you go about finding brands to work with? Uh, I want to hear about your experience working with a toy company in particular. So actually, <laughs> when I got with the toy company for my stroker deal, the 3V Starlet Stroker way back in the day with Pleasure Products, I got that because of James Bartholay, if you know him. Oh, yes. I was one of his Galaxy Girls, and I used to co-host Inside the Industry with him every Wednesday night when I lived in Los Angeles, back when it was on the radio. And I was his co-host, and he was like, hey, I know of this company looking to sign girls to do their own strokers. And for the 3V Starlet Stroker, um, it vibrates, and it has my voice on it. So I dirty talk and moan while you stroke with me. and 
that's the only stroker on the market out there like that. It has the vibrations and the vagina, the triple V's. But yeah, James got me that deal. Um, this one I got because I was following them on Instagram and they saw that I was following them and then they offered me some of their products in order to make some posts and videos and photos with it, like unboxing and just showing it off. Very nice. So yeah. when you're doing these, are you signing contracts with these yes. companies? And is there any advice you have when looking at these contracts, things that you look for in particular? Always read them over very thoroughly yes. and make sure it's something that you're okay with because different companies have different policies and you want to make sure you're not going to get screwed over or that it's going to be a huge work or overload or whatever. Like for example, this chair right here, the contract that I signed, I have to make a certain amount of posts per month for a year, but it was a free gaming chair. It's really nice. And these chairs go for like three to 500 bucks. So it's worth it to me. I didn't have to pay for it. It's really comfortable. I'm using it for streaming, for camming. It's going to get a lot of use. So I have no problem making yeah. posts a month about it. And it just gets to like sit in the background there. Mm -hmm. And then something that I've uh, looked to in like contract deals with brands is uh, seeing how long they can use the videos. So yeah, you have to check because if you sign off on it and it's going to be used for the rest of your life or however many years, they can make hundreds of thousands or millions off of that advertisement. Whereas you get that one time payment of what, 200, 1,000 whatever. So you need to know what you're signing off on and are you comfortable with that being run forever or not? Is it something that's going to embarrass you or something that you think you look terrible in? Um, or is it a product that you actually stand behind and want to represent? Because sometimes people sign up for the deal just because they want the money and they don't even believe in the product. I don't do that. I won't endorse things if I don't like the quality or if I don't like what it represents. Yeah. And it gets you negotiating room. You know, if somebody wants to use something in perpetuity, you can negotiate a higher amount of money for yeah, that. Residuals or something. Yeah. So it gives you a little bit of room. And then the other thing to consider too is like, is it actually valuable in perpetuity? Like when it comes to things like TikToks and reels, they have such a short lifespan that I think it's reasonable to set a boundary with those deals within 90 days or something, because it's really, you know, being it living on your account past 90 days, the chances of it being seen are much lower for that types of social media. It's very quick, you know, here, here, and then gone. So things, things to think about, look over your contracts, get a second opinion of somebody that you trust. Do you have anybody that goes over stuff with you or somebody that you trust with Most business? Most of the time I just go over it myself. If I do need any business advice, I'll reach out to my agents because I'm with 101 Modeling and they've been around forever and I trust them. I've been with them since like 2013 because the first year I got in, I had issues with bad representation and I randomly got in through scouts, not even through an agent. So I had to do research and find my agents. And I've been with them for a long time now, 10 years. So Wow. Nice. So good to find like an agent that you feel like really has your back. That you and can stick with and that you know that knows what they're doing and can go over contracts and other things with you and make sure that you're not getting screwed over. Yeah, your agent does protect you a lot. 
Yeah. And how did you go about, did you reach out to the agency for people? Oh, I reached out. Absolutely. So when I first got in, I got in through a talent scout that got me with Bang Bros. And then that talent scout was very up and down and flaky because he was doing drugs and other things, you know, people do their thing. So then I got with East Coast Talents and that worked for a little bit, but then they were kind of flaky. And then I got with LA Direct, never did any work through them because one day after I signed my contract, they were already trying to go back on things and acting shady and being demanding and yelling at me. I don't like them. They're disgusting. And there's a reason why they had all of that happen. Yeah. I don't know if you know about LA Direct scandals and other things. It was huge, but they were really bad. I didn't even work with them. I waited till my contract expired on its own because it was either that or pay $2,500 to get out of it. So I decided I'm not paying you $2,500 just so that you'll release me from my contract. So I waited until it expired. And then I got with 101 Modeling and they've been fantastic. So I've been with them for 10 years. Good. Some some good PR for 101 modeling there. And I've I've heard of them before. Yeah, they represent some other people that I know. Um, so good to hear that they're treating you well. Yeah, they've been wonderful. They've been really good. So So with your, you know, brand brand ambassadorship with toy companies, I understand you also have some great information on toy safety. Um, it's something we cover in the course a little bit, but it was actually something that came up in my mind a little bit ago. Cause I had a hybrid lube. It's the doc Johnson. It, it didn't, cause I wasn't sure what to do with it. Cause it's the doc Johnson nut butter and it's a, a, a silicone water-based hybrid. And I, and I knew somewhere in the back of my head, I was like, you can't mix silicone and silicone. Yeah, if you do, it degrades the product. And that's something right. I learned when I was working for pleasure products, because when I had to do demos on these and tell people about the care and usage of them and stuff like it'll degrade and damage your toy, not only with strokers, but also with certain dildos and other things. I have toys that I've gotten damaged because of the wrong types of lubes and stuff. And back in the day before I worked with them, I didn't realize that that's what it was because a lot of people don't explain that to you. People don't always read the care instructions, but you can't do silicone with silicone. (laughs) It kills it, it damages it. So I only use water-based lube anytime I use any toys just to be safe because I don't always remember which toys I'm able to use silicone with or not. The only time I'll openly use silicone with a toy because I know it's not going to cause any damage are my glass toys. Yeah. One of the glass toys. Yeah, exactly. And there was another thing which I had happen to me too, which is I had two, two toys, which were different types of silicone touching each other in storage and they melted each other. Yeah. So how do you store, how do you store your toys? Cause this has been kind of like a crusade of mine for quite some time. Cause there is actually not a lot out there when it comes to like toy storage, when you have, you know, 30 toys. If you go on Amazon, they actually have these cute little silk draw bags that you can get for adult toys. And you can put each individual one in their own separate bag. And then if they're in a drawer together or if they're in a chest or if they're in your suitcase, that way, if they touch, they have the silk in between won't damage. But you also have to be careful with toys with being around heat. Like you don't want them to be in a super hot area because they can melt. 
So that's another thing you have to worry about sunlight. You have to worry about like if you forget it in your car, if you're like traveling or something and it's in your set bag, then it might melt. <laughs> you could come out there and your $200 dildo is melted. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're not cheap. And uh, I had it happen actually. So I got, so I, the two toys melted each other. So yes, I went on Amazon. I picked out some black. I don't think they were silk. Picked out some black bags put my toys in there. Two of my toys, um, because they were lighter colored, got stained by the bag. The bag turned them black where it was touching. Yeah, they can absorb colors from things. Um, certain toys can absorb smells, which is something I found out the hard way a long time ago because I used one of my favorite dildos for an anal show on my cam show. And I wasn't dirty or anything, but it smelled like ass after and it wouldn't go away no matter how much I washed it. Yeah. There, there's like, yeah. So then also like separating your toys. I only like certain ones for my vagina and certain ones for my butt. And yep. for the butt, I'm very particular about what type of material it is because I don't want it to absorb the smell. And smell. And then also, <laughs> this is, this is going so far. So, so sorry to my friends and family that listened to this podcast, <laughs> but uh also, color. So I had like a clear one, right? Oh no, did it absorb booty juice color? Yes. It has it is not clear. It is uh clear-ish with like a y- yellow tinge. I've never cleaned a toy in that way. Um, but I was using my Hitachi over my red panties once, and I actually have like a reddish streak on my Hitachi that won't go away, which makes me laugh. It absorbs red dye into my Hitachi head. So some things to note, right? And I mean, I guess one of the solutions that I've always thought of is like, I can just put these like ruined items up for sale on many vids in the store or whatever. Yeah, um, some people buy it, some people won't. But yeah, it works when you spend so much and when it's your favorite item and you can't remember where you got it and it's like, which brand was this again? I want to replace this exact item or they don't make it anymore or something. It just, it's a bummer when it's your favorite. It's like, I really liked the way that felt. Yeah, so maybe worthwhile if if you are new or you are still accruing toys, keep a catalog of where you got it from. And also uh, keep a catalog of like what types of cleaners to use and what types of lubes, because also certain cleaners and stuff are not meant for toys. Like there was one time that I was with my fuck buddy hookup thing last year and I brought one of my toys over to fuck him in the ass because he likes pegging. And even though I cleaned it with my official toy cleaner and stuff, he still insisted on he wanted to also sanitize it with rubbing alcohol before using it. And yeah, yeah, I don't know if he had a bad experience with a toy in the past being dirty and giving him something or like what the deal was, but he was very paranoid and on it about that. And I was okay with it. I was like, whatever. Yeah, it just seems like it would ruin like the finish or something. It didn't fully damage it, but it definitely caused some damage because this toy, like it's not one of my ones that would be melty normally. And I haven't used any wrong lubes on it, but like, 
see this? It like made it where something like damaged it after the fact. Like, it's oh, yeah, look at that. That's what mine looked like when it melted. Yeah, this looks all melty and it never had issues. I had this for years. This is my favorite butt toy. I still use it, even though it has some damage from his rubbing alcohol that he had to pour all over it because he's paranoid. But I let him, I was like, whatever, if you want to do extra sanitization before it goes in your butt, I'll be nice since you're letting me play with your butt because most boys don't want me to do that. Yeah. Wait, so how, are, are there ways to sanitize correctly? Can uh, you boil yeah, them? I'll grab my toy cleaner and show you. So you can buy the kind that foams or the kind that doesn't. Um, but usually you can go on Amazon or you can go to different adult toy websites or you can go to the sex shop. This one right here is Adam and Eve four in one cleaner and it's foaming. It's a toy cleaner. It's antibacterial. It deodorizes, disinfects, sanitizes. It says safe for all toys on it. Non-greasy, alcohol-free, non-irritating because you have to read the label. Some sanitizers are going to not be good for some toys and some are safe for all toys. So read the label when you buy it. I have like three different brands of toy cleaner because I buy them sometimes in person, sometimes online, sometimes they're on sale. I like the foaming kind. I like seeing the foam on it and like seeing where it's at. If it's just the clear regular cleaner. I feel like I don't always see if I'm sanitizing the full toy properly. But I have the Joe cleaner, I have the Lube Life cleaner, I have the Adam and Eve cleaner, and I like all of these. I highly recommend these ones. And you can also get them travel size too. You don't have to get the whole size. But you can damage your toys if you use the wrong type of cleaner. So it's better to get the ones that are actually made for toys from the sex shops and make sure that you actually get like ones that are safe for your toy. Yeah. Yep. Because, yeah, I hate to learn that the hard way. That. Yeah, especially if you accidentally use it on an expensive toy and damage it. Cheap toys, it sucks if it's your favorite. But at the same time, cheap toys, they're easy to replace. It's not a big deal. So Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so another thing kind of about that, I know you kind of mentioned this, but uh, as far as like, lubes and things like that that are friendly with ph or what lubes are what should people know about lubes well personally i like to stick to water-based everybody has their own preferences and if i'm not using water-based and if i'm just masturbating or having sex i also really like coconut oil or olive oil because you can use coconut oil that you like eat and cook with the organic unrefined ones for lube and it actually also moisturizes your skin and it's good for you but it can also stain things same with olive oil it can stain things but at the same time it's good for your skin good for your pussy good for your butthole great for lube if you're out of actual store-bought lube everybody has different sensitivities though and different preferences i don't like to use silicones that much and I've had certain lubes that are cum lubes that have given me allergic reactions. And yeah, it's the type of thing that you can have allergic reactions to lubes, to spermicides. You know, you always hear about people having latex allergies to condoms, but you don't hear about the other things as often, but they exist also. So Sensitive do a test swab. 
Yep. Try it yep. out first before you fully commit and, ha- and have like a, a much, much bigger issue. Yeah. And sometimes you can tell if you have an allergy to a lube or to a spermicide or whatever, like right away, because it'll start to tangle or feel a little bit funny down there. Or also like there's been times where I'm giving somebody head and the lube was on their dick and my throat starts to swell or tingle a little and it can swell up like if you have a food allergy. certain loops i mean that could be quite serious it can be so always have benadryl on hand yeah (laughs) that i've learned because i've had allergic reactions to different loops over the years that is such a good tip yeah to add because for me that's something i really stress for anything that you do but like safety first and be prepared i think Um, it's good to have benadryl in your set bag just to be safe yeah. Especially so it, some people are allergic to cats or dogs and sometimes the sets are at people's houses and they might have a cat that's like locked in a different room while you're shooting. But if you're definitely allergic to cats and a cat lives there, then there's dander everywhere. I've heard of girls having allergic reactions on set because it's a house that has an animal they're allergic to in it. Benadryl. Keep it, keep it on set. Any other set safety tips? Something that I'm uh like uh i've i've thought about and i do and i put in the mix course was regards to like uh if you're using lighting and all this stuff like you are working with electricity so <laughs> you know if you've got if you're trying to do yeah, like something with water that. yes yeah be safe like with your cords to mm-hmm. tape things down so you're not tripping but Y'all do you have, have any other about like lube and hard floors because it can be slippery. <gasps> yes. That's another thing because people have slipped and fallen <laughs> and that can happen. Um, when it comes to anal stuff, always going slow, making sure there's plenty of lube. Um, make sure you warm up a little bit beforehand. Also, Imodium is a good thing to keep on hand if you're going to be doing anal days. Because Imodium is an antidiuretic, and it's something you can take ahead of time to make sure there's not going to be any messes. So, mm, see, yeah, trick. Yes, I mean that's something I I find it funny sometimes. Like fans are surprised where I'm like, yeah, if you want like anything to do with anal, like it 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 requires some time, a time frame, and they're like, "What? Well, why?" And I'm like, "You can't just like surprise you can't anal. Just eat. Uh, you can't just go in with no lube. You can't just go in without certain things. There's a lot of time and effort and prep. A lot of girls would go on the anal diet where they starve themselves for eight to twelve hours beforehand, or they only have certain safe foods. Like for me, some of my safe foods are beef jerky because it's a lot longer to digest. So I'll eat that closer to for an energy boost because for poop, it takes like four to eight hours to digest something. So you can like make sure you stop eating early the night before, make sure everything's out of your system in the morning. And then you can have a last minute snack right before you start filming because it won't have enough time to make a master digest. And if you eat something like that, that takes a longer amount of time to break down it's better so jerky is one of my like last minute things on anal days i'll eat it like right before we're gonna shoot so i'm not i like it nobody talks about this stuff you know (laughs) like 
It's something That's, that people should talk about more. Yes. There's a lot that goes into it, and I feel like it would save a lot of people headaches. But even with all of the prep in the world, sometimes you still have issues on set. There's been times where I did all of my prep stuff, and there's still mess coming from God knows where. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things happen, so being prepared. But definitely, if you're not prepared, you're going to increase the chances that way more. And if you're doing something like trying to make content for OnlyFans, um, you, you cannot have mess. So, yeah. And if you're uh, for a huge company, you can't have mess and you can't have mess if you're on cam. Um, there's very few sites that are okay with mess. There's not very many. And honestly, like I prefer there not to be mess cause it's stuck to your face and your name forever anyways. So that's not a kink or fetish that I want to be behind on my stuff. So, yeah. So I keep going deeper with this, but so here's, here's another question in relation to periods. Cause that's actually like a tricky one because um, like it's against the OnlyFans terms of service. You cannot even have menstrual blood. Yeah. So, you can't have that on any of the professional porn sets either. So in regards to working around a period cycle, working with a period cycle, I use kind of makeup sponges kind of like a tampon. Um, the downside to that is you have to be very careful because it can get stuck and it can cause you toxic shock syndrome and other things. You can get infections um, because makeup sponges, they're not meant to go in there. So they can be really hard to fish out. And also sometimes you forget that it's in because it's super comfortable and if you leave it in too long, you're going to get an infection. But yeah, you have to shove your fingers really high up and pull it back out. And it's hard. I think there is a disc now that you can wear during sex. There is. And I've tried it. I didn't have luck with it. I did not have luck. I've heard of it working for other people. It's called the Diva Cup. I think, and it's really the one cool. I'm thinking of is uh, it's I think it's called Flex, but it's like literally like a clear disc. Yep, it's the yeah, same, same, same thing. Cup. Yeah, yeah. Diva cups and flexes, they're the same exact thing, and you can put it in, and it collects the blood in a cup, and you can have sex with it in, and you can do other things, and it's a really cool thing in theory. I tried it; it didn't work for me. Like, I don't know if I just didn't have it angled right or what, but it wasn't like fully catching the blood. I think everybody's different. We all have a different shaped vagina, uterus. I will say if it works for you, great. Definitely try it. Um, but for me, that was just a no go. Makeup sponges have been the best thing that I've come across. So. And then, you know, you can always, if you're a content creator, plan around your cycles or you're producing extra content when you're not on your period so that when it does happen, you have stuff that you can keep putting out there too. Um, if you are using, yeah, you can take breaks. Breaks are encouraged. And then if you are using something like a Diva Cup or something like that, there are other options of content that you could make that wouldn't necessarily be like full penetration. Like, hey, it's just going to be an anal week. Or you can yep. do other options. You can be like, hey, this week I'm just doing jerk off instructions. That's a, Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it's JOI week, guys. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or you can make it the week that you focus on other things. Like you could be like, okay, so... 
This is the week that I'm going to focus on my YouTube channel or my Twitch or my TikToks. You can build up a whole week worth of your G-rated content during the week that you can't shoot the naughty stuff. So. so bringing it all the way back there, how do you manage having such a vast presence? Do you have a workflow? How do you prioritize? I have a hard time with that. I tend to bounce from thing to thing. I'm very ADHD and I have a hard time focusing on one thing. I think one of the reasons why I'm spread on to so many different things is because I lose focus and I get bored if I'm doing the same exact thing for too long. So I like to switch things up in my schedule. Like one day I might be streaming for hours on StreamMate. Another day I might be like chatting back and forth with my OnlyFans. Another day it's Sex Panther. Other days it's Twitch, YouTube stuff, or even just me doing graphic design on my computer for hours. But I like to vary things. I get bored. I also draw. I paint. Um... I hand make things. I get bored. I don't like to stick to the same exact routine and do the exact same thing constantly, which is why consistency is hard for me. And that's the one downfall when it comes to my stuff in the industry, because you're supposed to be very consistent. And that's what creates a lot of your growth on different platforms. And I have a hard time with consistency and schedules. Yeah. So, I mean, that is another thing, you know, to make sure like, Yes, diversify your income streams, but don't diversify it to a point where you're diluting or that it's something where it's causing you stress, you're not able to manage it. Those are all really... You have to like try to balance consistency, even though it can be hard. Like there are days where I have to force myself and be like, okay, I've had this stream scheduled for weeks. I need to be on time. I need to do it, even though I'm not in the mood to stream today. This has been set in stone. I have to do it. You're your own boss. That's something that's hard about this is you're your own boss. You have to hold yourself accountable. You have to make sure you get the job done. Yeah, because that is something too, right? That really speaks to your brand and who you are. If you're constantly canceling things or moving them around, people aren't going to trust you just like you wouldn't trust a brand that says, hey, we're going to have a Black Friday sale. And then like, just actually, we're not. Uh, actually we couldn't do it and you were expecting it. Like you don't want to let people down and it's understandable if things come up once in a while, like if you get sick or if there's a family emergency or something, people will get it, but you don't want that to be what you're known for. So don't make it a consistent issue. Don't make it a repeated habit of, Oh, she's late again. Or, Oh, she canceled last minute again, you know, cause you don't want that to be how you represent yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And and that is what creates long-lasting fans is that they can expect to see you and that is fulfilled. It's when, the, you know, oh, it's this time of day when Nikki usually posts, when Stella usually posts. They go to look, there's no Stella post. And the next day it happens again, there's no Stella post. And they kind of lose interest and they move on to the next thing. So it's... Uh, I liken it to like, you know, somebody's favorite TV show. They always know it's on at Tuesdays at six. So at Tuesdays at six, they look forward to seeing that. So if you can uh, build that. Another good example. The other day I saw one of my friends post about this on Facebook about how they were going to go to GameStop or whatever at the midnight release of the new Mario Nintendo game. And then I guess it got switched to noon the next day. 
for the pre-order release or whatever. And my friend was so upset that even though they had already paid for the game through GameStop, what they decided to do is go and get the release at like 6 a.m. at Walmart. And then they canceled it and got a refund from GameStop on their pre-order because they pushed it back a day. Oh my I saw that posted on Facebook. An act of rebellion. Yeah, an act of, well, you're going to do this. I want my money back and I'm going to go get elsewhere sooner. So that's where you have to think. Don't be like Nintendo in that switch. Well, I guess it wasn't Nintendo. It was GameStop that did it, but it was the game. But yeah, so don't pull GameStop because if you do, you're going to lose customers and you're going to have to get refunds issued and it's going to cost you money. Yeah. And another good point, which is to look to brands outside of, you don't, if you're just looking within our own industry for inspiration on, you know, how to market yourself. Oh, you can get ideas from anything and anybody. You can watch all the different mainstream brands and figure out, oh, well, I like their ad campaign. I like their font. I like their style. And you can design your entire brand around that and just make it naughty. Yep. Look, look beyond for inspiration. Look, look for other things that are successful. Look for things that catch your attention. Uh, you know, snoop through some of your fans profiles and see what they're following and what catches their attention. Yeah. Um, look for creators that have similar looks and styles to you and see what they're doing to get inspiration for what might make you successful. Yeah. See, to do it. see what, what uh, kind of gels with like your vibe, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't force it. Don't be like, Oh, this was successful. So I have to do what this person does. You don't um, have to copy it, but you can get inspiration and ideas. Yes. Yeah. And I, I find you inspiring Nikki, my, mm-hmm. my merch, my merch ideas ever since we were talking and I saw all your stuff, I was like, I need more merch. I need to get rolling on that. I want to have physical stuff. So I yeah, really I'm like so that. I'm excited for AVN. I've already been designing yes. different things that I'm going to be bringing. I haven't gotten any of it printed yet, but I've been sitting down on my Printify store and coming up with stuff. And I didn't make this. Um, it was made by Nerds of Porn. But yeah, I was going to say, is that is that um, you as Megan? Oh, yeah. I did a porn parody, and I did a whole, like, AI killer sex doll video. And it's from Nerds of Porn, and he gave me one of the merch shirts as a birthday present. He I was like, it. here you go, it's you. And I was like, oh, I love it. <laughs> that is great. So this one's not specifically my merch. It's me on it, but it's not my merch. But you Still can get cool. this of porn, and I love it. I love porn parodies. I think they're so funny. Oh, the they're things. my favorite. I wish I could do them more often. Yeah. I th- yeah. I've seen some very cool creative stuff out there. The names, the sets, the outfits. Oh, I one think- of the coolest uh- ones I ever did was through Wood Rocket back in the day, and I was the Pink Ranger and Mighty Muffin Pounder Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rimberly. <laughs> Rimberly. <laughs> Rimberly. I'm Rimberly. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah, it's just it's so campy. It's so great. It was <laughs> fun. Oh, and I got to play Marianne in Gilligan's Byland. That I saw that one. I thought that was hilarious. Where did I even see? I think I saw it on your 
I don't think it's out yet, but it should be soon. I, have you posted like not that I haven't seen like the actual film, but I think you posted maybe like on your Instagram some pictures of outfits I and did. stuff. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, Gilligan's violent. Like it was a bisexual threesome with me, Gilligan, and the skipper. I love it. <laughs> I'm so excited. Well, you'll have to let us know. So where can people find you? Instagram, Twitter. Oh, I'm everywhere at Nikki Huntsman, but I spell it weird. N-I-C-K-E-Y-H-U-N-T-S-M-A-N. And you can find me everywhere under that name. And here's a good way to spell it. You can see it right here. Nikki. I yeah. will say I have an auto reply set up on my Instagram, but I do still check my DMs. I do still read it. I will see if you message me. And if it's a message that's actually important and not just asking for free stuff or for my phone number or sending me inappropriate pictures, I will respond. If it's an actual like meaningful message, if you have questions about the industry, feel free to reach out. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would love to be able to connect more veterans with newbies and be able to share the knowledge and experience and, and really help people succeed. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me, Nikki. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see you in AVN. Yeah. See you guys at AVN. I'm nominated for best mainstream venture of the year for retro knockout. So hopefully. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the money in triple X podcast. We are brought to you by mix digital. You can find all our socials, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at minx social, M I N X social. I'm your host, Stella sky. Thank you for listening with us today and looking forward to our next podcast.